What's going on, everybody? We're back for another episode of the Statesman Sports Spotlight. I'm your host, Mike Anderson. And joining me today is really one of the best coaches we have on this campus. Head coach of the Stony Brook women's soccer team, Tobias Bischoff, is on with us. Coach, thank you so much for taking the time. Hi, Mike. Thanks for, thanks for having me today. Appreciate you. Of course. So, uh, so let's get to know you a little bit better before we jump into the current day stuff. So you're originally from Winterstein in Germany. Um, what was it like playing soccer over there? And how is the game different here from your perspective? I mean, yeah, so I'm from Germany. I grew up in Germany. I went to school in Germany. Um, I came to the, to the United States um, when I was... 26 so after my after my playing career and the game is played different in Germany and that comes you know maybe because it's it has a little bit of longer tradition in Europe in Germany the game the game of soccer but I think mostly it's because we play at home with different rules um, different subbing rules um, you know when I played there were three substitutions possible over a 90 minute period and therefore people have to learn to play a little bit more tactical mm. um manage themselves a little bit better and not play um like a high press high intensity game for 90 minutes because it is impossible to do that over 90 minutes right. so that's where it's a little bit different over here in the u.s where we have the chance to use more players during 90 minutes and therefore the game is a little bit more with higher intensity over here in the US. Absolutely. Now, one thing that stood out to me while researching you um, was just how dedicated you've been to sports your whole life. Now, you went to a college called uh, Friedrich Schiller University in Germany and you actually earned a master's degree in sports science, which is just awesome i mean i really envy you for that i'm not even allowed to write sports pieces for my journalism classes but you got to study an entire field related to sports so what exactly did you learn while studying sports science and um did any of it help make you a better soccer coach in any way yeah so sports is um part of my life for as long as i can think like as a kid, I always um, I always played soccer or foosball, how we call it in Germany. Mm -hmm. But um, I also um, tried all different different kind of sports. So you know, I'm also a lifeguard. So I can ski and snowboard. I you know I can do gymnastics. I, you know I play other team sports, other individual sports like squash. Um, stuff like that. So I did. I did everything, and um, studying sports science um, at the Friedrich Schiller University in Jena um, gives you a bright view on sports. Uh, I mean, everything is is part of it. It's the history of sport. It's psychology of sport. Psychology within teams. Um, the social aspect. Um, of sports it gives you there's a practical part of it where you have to do all different sports from swimming over you know, judo over gymnastics over learn 
how to jump the highest possible, like all different kind of things. So it gives you a good overview over sports in, in general. And that, that helps you, I think it helps you to be a better coach. Um, but it definitely is, a, is an advantage doing something like that. Yeah, that's really cool. Now, you started coaching soccer while still in Germany, uh, mainly coaching high school level teenagers, like 16, 17 years old. Uh, so when exactly did you get into coaching? You said you were 26, right? Um, yeah, so 26 when I when I came over here and oh, okay. uh, and and do it more full time um, in in the US. But I actually started much earlier than that when I when I was younger. And basically, it was one of those things to just give back to the community, mm-hmm. um, you know, play and help out with with the younger teams um with the kids teams and just try to teach them a little bit like of what we um, used to be on the on the first team and mm-hmm. uh, this is how i got into it um part-time helping out and you know it was always interesting for me it i always um enjoy helping helping people to fulfill their goals and that carried over into coaching now at the um, collegiate level. Absolutely. And uh, and when did you realize that that was what you wanted to do full-time? Oh, yeah, probably after my first year in the U.S. So I was all set up to be actually, um, to take, take the, the track of being a professor at my university um, in Jena. Um, but before... I wanted to do that route. I first wanted to learn English. So my English um, during my college time was very limited, limited to saying things like my name is or I live in. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I wanted to learn English. And that was, the, to be honest, the main reason why I came to the U.S. to learn English. And it happened that I knew somebody um, like an American um, who played um in Germany and there was a connection and he started a small little coaching company in the US on Long Island out of Glen Cove and um, the connection was made and I came over to to help build the company a little bit and you know like what I what I did um, and decided to stay and here we are 20 years later I'm still here and still coach so I would say answer your question i would say after the first year in the u.s um doing coaching more full-time i thought that is something what i want to keep doing for a little bit longer and um and make career out of it so that's where i'm at now how about that uh and just what was the uh what was the culture shock like yeah it's very different i mean uh, from a from a coaching aspect coaching um to be a good coach you have to you have to communicate um that was my biggest struggle in the beginning not knowing how to say things in english uh, not being fluent in english um so you can only show and and have um i worked with um with younger kids and teens at that point uh, have them follow what you did but not be able like to explain to them everything the way how i wanted to was definitely tough but um yeah it's definitely a culture shock with you know being in a different part of the world being with um 
with different people, um, different way how sports is seen in the US, um, different way how sports is done in the US was definitely a little bit of culture shock in, in Germany. Kids, um, it's not a business to be in sports. You know, it's a, it's something where every kid is capable of doing that. Uh, where over here in in America, it's more it's more a business even on the on the youth side, and um, that was definitely a little bit of culture shock for me. But um, you know, I got I got used to it, and I live it now. Yeah, absolutely. Um, now on Long Island, you started coaching at the youth level. Uh, you were coaching club soccer teams, both boys and girls, for nine years. So, what was that experience like for you, and how did it help develop your coaching style and philosophy? Yeah, it's interesting, right? So, before I came uh, to the US, I never coached females um was always always boys and uh, when i came here um i coached boys teams but also girls teams and um you know i would say i was successful with with both with, with both of them i i had a boys team out of massapequa um team in 2015 we won the mcguire cup mm -hmm. the mcguire cup is the oldest youth competition in the u.s um standing back to uh, the early uh, 1930s and um, I, be I believe we were only the fourth team ever out of New York State to to win that national championship or it's the under 19 boys uh, wow. championship we won that in 2015 that was pretty cool you know it was live on TV and um, you know that was that was definitely a great experience um, but I also coached a lot of girls teams at the at the highest level what is um, you know, the ECNL level, the Elite Club National League within the US. And um, I en enjoyed that as well. Um, yeah, so that's that's where my youth coaching um, started with small little clubs um, on Long Island, um, got a little bit more successful, um, you know, and then fin finished up with coaching mostly out of East Meadow and out of Masopiwa. Okay, cool. Yeah. And we also know, because um, we, we got to interview Kerry Pearson earlier in the year, we know that uh, that you were um, her club coach at one point. Um, now, how did, how did uh, learning to coach kids at that age help you when it came to coaching college kids? Or is it just a completely different challenge? Um, it's... That is a good question. Um, it is, it is different, but it helps you. Um, I think it helps you to be a better coach. I, I think it helps you to, to understand where people are coming from, um, why they are good in a certain thing, or why they maybe struggle with a certain thing. What 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 you what you expect, but. Um, it is very different from like what you focus in on on like doing your doing your coaching. So I work mostly with um, with teens, fourteen to eighteen, and um, there's still like a lot of technical work to be done with them mm -hmm. uh, that never that never ends. But there's also a lot of um, 
like or the start of tactical behaviors as a individual player and as units within within the team so that is um, a lot of coaching what goes on there where when you in 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 college it's not as much um, developing skills anymore it's now developing um, a winning mindset and it is more from a technical tactical understanding of, of the game so it's a little bit a different kind of focus um on how like what you coach and how you coach it but um yeah that's probably the big the biggest difference it's just you go away from like the basic training of techniques into more complex um exercises practices to um not just develop the player but also develop the mindset of a player absolutely now 2011 rolls around and Hofstra University comes calling they hire you as an assistant coach and you wound up lasting eight years on that staff so was getting into the college ranks a goal of yours or was it just something that kind of happened and you just wound up liking it yeah no it was not a goal of mine um, it was not a goal of mine, um, but because I coached like on like the highest level on Long Island, um, teens, I actually had, uh, 2010 was a very good year for mm-hmm. Hofstra University. Um, and a lot of the players on the team I coached, um, during the summertime or when they were youth players and, um, when there was a coaching change at Hofstra University and Lindsay Vanderspiegel moved on from an assistant coach to become a head coach, and there was an open position. And um, Simon Ridioff, who's the head coach um, at Hofstra, and he's also um, a very close fr- friend of mine, reached out to me. Uh, surprisingly, I didn't really know him at that point. I knew of him, but I didn't really know him. Mm-hmm. Reached out to me if I would be interested. And... Um, I, to be honest, I wasn't really sure. I looked into it and, um, yeah, then decided to to go for it and it worked all out. Um, I got hired um, in, in May of 2011. Um, so I had the spring to get ready for the first college fall season, what was the, the fall of, of 2011. Awesome. That, that really is cool. Now... The Hofstra Pride were dominant in your time there. Uh, You wound up being promoted to associate head coach for the final four years of your career there. Now, the team made four NCAA tournaments, including twice in a row your last two years. Just uh, what was it like experiencing that kind of winning on a year-to-year basis? And how did it influence your coaching career? Yeah, so the team was was already... um like very good before I before I got there. I mean, 2010 was a very good year for them. I believe they went 18 and two that that year, uh, made the NCAA tournament. Um, so then I come around and I get used to stuff. And uh, I mean, Simon is is one of the best uh, college coaches in the US, in, in, in my in my opinion. And um, I learned a lot from him. And um, I think. Um, me and Simon, we grew together. Um, we created um, a very close relationship uh, where we can trust each other, where we're on the same page, where we see the same thing, where we had the same goals. 
um, and we worked well off each other. Um, yeah, we created an environment where people wanted to be part of, and uh, we, you know, maybe also got a little bit lucky with some of the recruits what we what we landed and um, had some major success. Um, some of the years were very good. 2015 was a very good year. Um, but then also like towards the end, we went on a pretty good run. Um, we had a very good team led by Lucy Paul, Lucy Shepard, uh, Jordan Littleboy, and like all of those people who moved on to play professional like Mary Taylor does now. Um, and we had good success. I probably... Um, one of the biggest surprises was when we beat BC in the first round of the NCAA tournament at BC and we beat them 4-1. to one. I think that was a surprise to a lot of people within the college system in, in the US. Uh, but for us, it was, um, we assumed that we can do that. But um, that was our goal all, all, all year. And, um, you know, we lined it up perfectly, had a had a good um, fall season, and you know, after that, I I moved on and became the head coach here at Stony Brook University. Yes, so I was just about to ask you that. So whenever we have players on, we talk about their recruiting process and you know how they got here, and I want to do the same with you. So it's late 2018 or early 2019, and Stony Brook University of the America East is looking for a new head coach. So how exactly did this work out? Like, did you leave Hofstra and go looking for head coaching opportunities? Did Stony Brook call you directly? Did they have to ask Hofstra for your permission to interview? Just just take me through it. I found out that um, that the job is, is open at Stony Brook University. And for me, um, where I was in my life, it was it was time to move on. Um, being a head coach gives you uh, financially a little bit more freedom. And that is what I was looking for at that time. So I went through the process, to, through the interview um, process here at Stony Brook. Um, I had very good relationships at Hofstra University. So um I'm pretty sure there were conversations between Stony Brook and Hofstra, and I believe that Hofstra had a lot of positive things to say about me, and that probably helped me to, um, to in the end, get the job here here at Stony Brook. So I definitely, a lot of thank yous go out to, to Hofstra to uh, give me this possibility. You know, I, I love my time at Hofstra at uh, great, uh, great relationships with people um, at Hofstra's with with the with the players, with staff, with other staff, with administration. Um, but it was time for me to move on and, you know, build my own program. And um, that's what we started um, in, in January of 2019 when I became a head coach here at Stony Brook University. Well, you're definitely doing a good job building your own program. Uh, you take the job in 2019 and you hit the ground running. You guys win the regular season championship, right? Best overall and conference records in the America East. Um, you guys go on to win the conference tournament and advance to the NCAAs. You and your staff won coaching staff of the year. So just what was it like starting your head coaching career off with such a bang? Um, I mean, the timing was uh, was very good for me. Uh, taking over 
um, in in January allowed me to first build my staff. Um, what what was obviously very important at that point, and with um, Jim O'Brien and um, Shannon Grogan, who was a former player here at at Stony Brook, um, we had a, we had a great staff, and we used the spring of 2019 to implement the way how we wanted to play. Um, we integrated a couple more players, but we were uh, kind of on short notice, be able like to to convince to come to Stony Brook. And um, yeah, I think our offensive style and my offensive approach to the to the game and my high energy, for me, fun kind of way to approach the game um, helped us to be successful in the fall 2019. We used the spring to implement those things and the uh, the players were hungry for success and they and they bought in and um it paid out well with you know the first game against northeastern i think we won in overtime um you know that was a, that was a great start and then carrying this all the way through a non-conference into conference schedule um playing good soccer i think we scored the most goals in conference um that year and um had a good run in the tournament won the whole thing um ended up going to the to the NCAs um playing at Penn State um I believe the year before or two years before you know Stony Brook lost I think what well, maybe like seven nothing five nothing seven nothing uh, at Penn State mm-hmm. and then we, then we play them in the NCAA tournament in the fall 2019 and um you know we're winning one nothing at halftime yes and I'm like Wow, what a what a what a moment! Um, I thought we had a good game plan against them. I think we surprised Penn State a little bit, mm-hmm. and uh, being up one nothing at halftime was very good. But the halftime was not good for us because that gave them the chance to to reset things a little bit. And they had obviously a very very talented team of you know some special players who you know play now on the U.S. national team and play on the professional level. And unfortunately, we ended up losing that game. Mm-hmm. But um, that first half was still, you know, one of my favorite coaching moments because Stony Brook, who is a huge underdog in that game, yeah. Um, yeah, we, had, we had some fun in the first half. Pretty cool. Yeah, no, that is really cool. And I think that goal you guys scored was the first ever goal in NCAA play in uh, in school history. So that's just another feather in your cap. But now year two rolls around, right? And you guys go back to back. Uh, you didn't quite take the same road to get there, but uh, you still went back to back. Spring season, uh, Division B champions. You win the America East tournament. Who'd you beat? Vermont to advance to the NCAAs, or was it Binghamton? I think it was. Uh, that was nine to so nineteen. That was the spe- that was the twenty season. Who actually mm-hmm. was played in the spring of um, of twenty one? Yes. So um, we we beat Vermont mm-hmm. um, in the semifinal. We actually were were down one one nothing in in that game. Right, Carrie uh, Pearson tied it. Yeah, Kerry Pierce tied it up um, like, with, with an awesome goal. Uh, so we won that game three to one, and then went into um, went into the final against Binghamton okay. and uh, and beat Binghamton in the final. Um, 
one nothing. Um, Farney scored. Um, very nice play by us. So, so we managed that game. Um, one back to back. Go to the NCAA tournament and um, actually play Ohio State um, in North Carolina. And we were really excited. Uh, we thought that you know we may have a chance here mm-hmm. to get our first NCA win, but uh, Ohio State had a different plan, and uh, yeah, that didn't work out. We scored a goal though. Um, very happy on that on the corner kick. We scored a goal. I, we had a chance to um, to score one more, but overall we ended um, our season unfortunately with a five-one loss to to Ohio State, but. Um, Again, that was the second NCA game in a row where we scored the goal. What is um, is a good stepping stone, but obviously, you know, we have higher expira- uh, inspirations than just scoring a goal. We wanted to win that game. Um, yeah, we're, we're still waiting for our first ever uh, program NCA win. So hopefully, we can get that done in the near future. You'll get there, coach. We have the faith. Now, which which uh, NCAA tournament run was your favorite, 2019 or 2020? NCAA run, uh, definitely 2019. Awesome. Because, yeah. again, like um, playing at Penn State in front of a, a lot of fans on a on a cold night and being up one nothing, Farney scored that goal. What was a beautiful goal. Um Sophia Manor was our goalkeeper who had a great game against them. And, you know, that, that was awesome. You lose the game 3-1 in the end, but um, just being up at one uh, one nothing at halftime was, was still pretty cool. Yeah, absolutely. Now, year three comes along, right? It's the fall of 2021. And you guys dealt with uh, some injuries and some other inconsistencies. The team wound up finishing under 500 for the first time in your career, uh, seven, eight, and two overall. You guys still finished 500 in conference play, but you were projected to win the conference for a third straight year and miss the playoffs entirely. So, what was it like for you as a coach having to deal with such a letdown? And did you use that as fuel this year to help guide your team back to the playoffs? Yeah. So. Fall 2021 was probably my toughest coaching experience, and um, it's not because of the of the record. It's it's not because of that. It's because of the amount of injuries we had in that year. We had um, over a twelve month span. We had um, eight kids going down with an ACL injury. Um, unspoken to never seen anything like that never experienced anything like that um you know we are contact sports so injuries are part of the game and you know unfortunately acl injuries are something um what does happen in in women's soccer but uh, never to that extent um and we were at the point with the team where the players were scared to play because they saw so many of their teammates going down with ACL injuries that um, we, we, we as coaching staff, we tried to do everything. We changed practice. We went partially to non-contact where, you know, really almost nothing can happen. And um, 
it was it was a very it was a very tough year for us but i got it to be honest mike i gotta give credit to to the girls how they stuck with it and um and played through that and we won those last two games um and we had the points to get into the playoffs and i'm pretty sure that if we would have gotten into the playoffs nobody wanted to play us Mm-hmm. But unfortunately, we lost a couple of games to teams we were competing with for that last um, spot in the playoffs. And we lost out on head-to-head competition. Um, right. The reason, the reasoning why we... I think we had a span of like five games in the middle of the, of the season where we just didn't get the results what we wanted. And... Um, you know, again, I got to give credit to the kids how they found a way to even step on the field. And, you know, it, it definitely was a tough time for us as a team. It was a tough time, to be honest, for me as, as, a, as a head coach to just see those kids suffering, going, going down with, with injuries. But um, we battled through it and, um, you know, we kind of rebounded this year. So, Fall 21 was... Um, you know, you, you as a head coach, you always get um, judged on your wins and losses. But that year was the wins and losses were not as important as you know the individual players and the kids who got injured and the kids who were afraid to get injured and um, my assistant coaches who suffered because of that, the support staff who suffered because of that, and that was the big you know, vocal point of the 2021 season. So, yes, win and loss were not what we wanted, but um, there was other stuff more important, to be honest. Absolutely. But you guys definitely did bounce back to your credit. Um, so the, the the final couple of questions I have for you are all about the 2022 team. Uh, this yeah. is the moment we've been waiting for. So during the winter of 2022, right? So it was right after your season ended. Um, Stony Brook was finally able to find a new athletic home in the Colonial Athletic Association. Um, mm-hmm. Of course, we know it as the CAA. Mm-hmm. Uh, much more competitive across the board, right? Basketball, soccer, baseball, you name it. Mm-hmm. And of course, you already had some experience in the CAA, eight years with Hofstra. So just what was it like being back in the CAA this year? And was it as competitive as you remember? Uh, yes, <laughs> it was. Um, you know, to give you a little bit of insight, Mike, it's a huge step up for for women's soccer. Um, in the America East, we were probably considered, um, you know, definitely top three, maybe the best team uh, in the America East Conference. Mm-hmm. Um, the America East Conference, out of the thirty-two conferences who support women's soccer, is ranked twenty-three where the CEA is ranked 10, some years even, the ninth best conference. Mm-hmm. So it's a huge uh, step up for for our team. Um, on top of it, we have a very young team. We have 10 freshmen coming coming in who, um, you know, we expected to, to have an impact on our team right away. And then uh, the university decides to go into the CEA and... Um, we not really set up for it, but um, it's a challenge, and we like a good challenge, to be honest. And there was a change for for us, uh, for me as a head coach, for us as a coaching staff, and obviously for us as a team. 
So we were excited going in, but um, we changed our, I don't want to say we changed our priorities, but I think we changed our goals for the year. Mm-hmm. Our goal in the America East always was to win the conference. To be honest, that was always, that was every year that was the goal. Um, where going into the CEA, our goal now was to make the playoffs, right? Um, the coaches in the CEA during the uh, preseason polls didn't think that we would be capable of doing that, right? They yep. ranked us 10 out of the 12, uh, 12 schools. Yeah. So that's you know, probably played a little bit of part in, into our motivation as well. But um, our goal was making the playoffs, uh, try to be as competitive as we as we can. And, you know, we played we played uh, nine conference games in regular the regular conference schedule. Mm-hmm. And we got results in seven of them. Right. We won four. We tied three. Um, we lost two of the conference games. We lost um up at Northeastern, and then we we lost at Monmouth, um, one nothing. Where with a little bit of luck, we maybe get a tie out of that game. Yeah. So with with that, you got to give credit to to the players how they believed in what we're doing, how they bought in to our game planning, and how they battled and fought um, in in a much more athletic more tactical battle soccer conference in general. So kudos to to my players to finding a way to be successful in a in a much higher conference. Definitely. Absolutely. Could not have said it better myself. Now um I was going to ask you about the uh the preseason poll, but you kind of already covered that. So we're just gonna go right to the next one. So Mm-hmm. Um, obviously this 2022 team wound up being very exciting and pleasantly surprising three all conference players, several other very impactful players who did not get recognized, uh, team goes seven, eight, and four overall, but four, two, and three in the CAA mm-hmm. sixth seed in the playoff picture. Just what are you most proud of that your team accomplished this year? Yeah, let's go. Let's go one step back with the with the awards. Um, like awards time is always a tough time for mm-hmm. uh, for me as a as a coach because you always um, you always think highly of your players, think highly of your team, and um, you want um, the most for them. Uh, for us, getting only three kids awarded, three players awarded was a little bit frustrating to be honest. Um Katarina being on the on the second team um all conference and then we had Riley and Lynn on the third team all conference and then we had Lynn on the all freshman team. Now we had um, the highest output offensive output in the conference. Yeah we scored the most goals, we had the most points, you know, all of that. Um so we had to do something right, right? And um yeah. The players had to do something right. So therefore, you know, I would have hoped if we would get um, a player a little bit higher in the all-conference teams. But um, I'm definitely most frustrated about the selection of the um, of the freshman team. And, you know, I'm very open about that. I thought that um, more of our freshmen should have been on the freshman team. We had five freshmen starting um 
all the games uh, being very impact, impactful on, on our team. I mean, obviously, Lynn um, deserved what she, uh, what she, you know, she got what she deserved. Of course. Um, and scoring six goals, having four assists, that's awesome. And she belongs there. But then you ask, why did other people not get on that um on that all freshman team out of right. the 10 freshmen we had and that is a little bit frustrating but um yeah um you know after that we go into we go into our season mike we play you know for them to to start off mm-hmm. hannah one, one of our freshmen off a assist from ava king yes. who's our goalkeeper right. um scores the game winner with um, not much time on the clock, so that was no time start. on the clock. <laughs> yeah, that was that was a great start uh, to the season. Going up to Brian, playing a Brian, winning that game was was good. Um, you know, then we played at Quinnipiac. Um, you know, we lost that game. A couple of individual mistakes. We we could have maybe get something out of that, but Quinnipiac is a is good is a good team. So. We go back home, we play LIU, take care of business there, score five goals against them. Then comes a stretch, Mike, yeah. what was definitely a little bit a little bit tough for us. But, um, you know, that is one of those things where I have to question myself uh, if that was the, the right thing to do. Um, having a non-conference schedule, what is that challenging? Playing at Cincinnati, playing with Providence, uh, at Columbia, at Penn. Mm-hmm. Those were like definitely like uh, very good opponents who you know in the moment I thought would would help us um, you know prepare for what comes after. Mm-hmm. Um, but we did go on a on a run where you know we didn't win in five games, six yeah, games, six. Mm-hmm. yeah, and unfortunately lost um, four in a row and also giving up like. Quite a lot of goals, to be to be honest. But um, again, I got to give credit to my players. They um, they struggled. How everybody would struggle with that period of the season, but um, they never lost focus and they kept showing up to practice, um, wanting to learn, wanting to get better, and and we did. And um, we rose out of that. And uh, first. Conference game comes around. We play Wilma Mary. We tie them one one. Um, I was hoping to get three points out of that game, but um, your know, Wilma Mary is, is they are they a good side. Um, we get that point, and then Hampton comes around on Sunday. What um, couldn't come at a at a better point for us? Yes, absolutely. We we, we enjoyed ourselves doing that during that game. Um, you know, I thought we played very professional. Uh, we respected Hampton um, the whole time through, but um, we were also capable of scoring quite a lot of goals. And um, I believe we used every player um, on our roster and uh, players who didn't have a chance as often yet played in that game and did did really well. And we, you know, we go out of that week. And then, you know, how the schedule falls sometimes, Mike, it's we have four away games coming up and that is never an easy situation when yeah. you when you're in conference. So we go up to Northeastern. I thought we we played a pretty good first half. We made a made a mistake in the first half to be down one nothing, but we played pretty good. Um definitely had a chance to tie up the game. 
but um, then like, somewhere in like the 60s or 70s minute, we gave up a corner kick and uh, Northeastern scores, scores a goal against us to make it 2 nothing, and that changed the dynamic for the rest of the game. We, we couldn't really get back into that. We lose that game. We go down to Monmouth. We play in a in a storm, you know, it rains, windy. Um, we lose one nothing. We gave up the goal on the PK. Um, we have the same situation on the other side. The referee did not give us a PK, so we, you know, would have hoped to get out of this game with a tie. But we now we lose two games in a row away, right? And mm-hmm. we still have two more away games coming up. What well, is a tough trip down to Delaware and Drexel, but the team rebounded. Um, played a good game against Delaware. We also had a little bit of luck, if I'm honest. Um, but we win that game one one nothing. Um, Hannah Melchina scores against game win on there. Yep. Um, and then comes the craziest game of the of the year, I guess. Right. Playing playing Drexel. playing playing Drexel, right? We be we down, we we chase the game, um, but we never gave up and um we crawled our say ourselves back into a situation where we down by a goal with seconds on the clock and um yeah, yeah we practiced yeah we practiced some stuff um during the week uh, how we want to be on set pieces and uh, credit to Kerry Pearson to play a ball in where it should be um Rachel Peters being smart and giving somebody else a chance to be aggressive towards the goal and Gabriel Cote finds a way to tie that game up and we all of a sudden turn our two-week away trips into four points what for a young team like us first uh, first time in the in the CEA was if you look at it probably a success right mm-hmm. so that's the point so we we're looking at possibly playoff situations. We play College of Charleston at home. Um, we tie them 0-0. And um, we have Senior Day coming up with a very strong UNC Wilmington team who won the conference uh, the year before. Or like the regular season, uh, we're picked first um, in the preseason polls. And we play a fantastic game yeah. on, on Senior Day win that game 3-2 and set up the big showdown at Hofstra. Yeah. Our fifth away game um, for the year, a conference away game out of the nine. Um, so we go to a very talented, um, very well-coached Hofstra team and um, we find a way to to win that game 2-1 to one and we end up at the number six seed. Absolutely. Now I do want to talk a little bit about the Hampton game. Um, So that was the greatest game in school history. 12 goals broke the previous single game record of nine. Right. And that nine goal performance came back in the division three era. So, you know, you were still in Germany. Um, It had been a while since we saw a scoring input even close to that. And then defensively, not only did you guys post a clean sheet, but you held yeah. Hampton without a shot. So it was a complete and utter shutout for a full 90 minutes. Um, of course, that was also your first ever win in the CAA. So just what was it like being able to coach in such a historic game like that? We prepare for for every game and um, you have an idea 
what to what to expect uh, you always have to play the game first so you never know but um we expected um to put ourselves in a situation to be successful against hampton so you know we we played that game a little bit different than we than we played other games um more more possession um kind of game but we really focused uh before the game to make sure that we are respectful um, during the game, should we get into a situation where we can score multiple goals to keep celebrations um, and those kind of things to a minimum, um, you know, because we wanted to be respectful to to Hampton. Mm-hmm. And, um, you know, my kids were awesome. The girls were absolutely awesome. Um, we had some players who scored first ever um, collegiate goals. Ashley yeah. Manuel, um, Angelina, um, Kaylee Arminia, but yeah. they kept their celebrations um, to a minimum. And um, I, you know, I very much appreciate that from my team because I wanted to make sure that we that we respectful. But um, it was awesome. I mean. I believe it was twenty nine to zero shots um, in that game. It was four nothing. It was four nothing at 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 half time, um, you know. And then the second half just developed the way the way it developed. Um, you know, we, I did I did a lot of substitutions in in that game. Uh, again, I believe that um, every player played. I think we used um, every goalkeeper um, in that in that game. And um, the problem with that also comes is that you you end up with a team um, on the field who didn't have had a chance as much to show yet what they can do. And mm-hmm. now they get a chance to show what they can do. So they want to perform. Right? And, and they did perform. And we scored um, quite a lot of goals in the, in the second half. We scored eight goals in the second half. Yeah. And... Uh, you know, it's it's one of those days. Um, you know, you you know, we may look back at that game, and a lot of records um, from that game will still be around in in ten, fifteen, twenty years. So, it's you know, for for me as a, for me as a coach, um, I appreciated how um, my team handled this game. That they were respectful, and um, you know did stuff the right way um but from a from a soccer aspect i mean we saw a couple like really beautiful goals we scored a couple goals on set pieces uh scored a couple like uh, nice goals out of out of play and you saw a lot of smiles on that day and that is for a coach always something what you like to see absolutely all right coach i know that we're kind of running out of time so i'm just going to ask you one more then i'll set you free you know, when you guys most needed it, you had no margin for error by the time October came around, right? September was very unkind to you. You guys were 4-7-2, and 1-2-1 two, two and one in the CAA. Um, you guys pulled it out. Final five matches, you went unbeaten, earned 11 points, three wins, two ties. Just what did you guys do differently during those final three weeks that helped lead you to the CAA tournament? Yeah, I don't think we did much different. I think it's, Mike, I think it's a learning experience, right? I, mm-hmm. 
like I can I can explain to the team what is going what is going to come and you can prepare them for it and you can um, you know develop a training environment um, to get them to get them ready for what is come but you have to actually go through it and um, I think those those first conference game uh, the intensity the physicality um, the speed the individuals what we have to face um, I think the girls learned from that and Again, um, I got to give credit to them because they stuck with us. They stuck with the plan. We prepared the same way. We, you know, the game plan was similar. Um, we changed it from opponent to opponent, but the way how we approached those changes um, were, were the same. And um, I think they got used to the play in the CEA a little bit. And um, in the end, then it um, it paid off. And um you know, a lot of individuals um, showed up and had great performances um, for us. Um, you know, I can go through through all aspects of the team, goalkeeper to the forwards. So, um, you know, we did we did a good job as a as a as a team, and um, I think we deserved all of those points. What we what we got, and um, we deserve to make the playoffs and be the number six seed. Definitely, definitely. And of course, you know, sports has that way of being romantic. You guys clinched at your former team, your former stadium, your former pitch. Uh, just, what was it like beating Hofstra? Yeah, it's getting a monkey off your off your back, right? Um, I think we were the first team in 24 years to beat, to beat Hofstra and then to do that um, at Hofstra. We were close in 2019 when we played them. Uh, I believe we lost in double overtime to to them so um yeah i mean i know that place um i grew up as a college coach um uh, at hofstra so it was definitely good um to win the game and to get that 24 year monkey of of our of our bags but um yeah it was you know we we needed a point you know we needed a point to make sure that we get into the playoffs um obviously you always have the goal to to win the game and um you know we ended up doing that with um you know again Katarina how she drove forward uh, in that situation leading up to the to the two to one um and taking that shot what just came off the off the crossbar and then Gabriel Cote um just knowing how to play as a forward and be at the right uh, position at the right time and putting that second goal in gave us that extra cushion uh, for the rest of the game and we felt comfortable and found a way to win it so again happy um, to get that monkey off the back um, but more happy to uh, with that win clinch um, our playoff berth and um, and make sure that in the first ever year in the CA that we made the playoff so I'm happy happy about that Absolutely. All right, coach, I'm going to let you go. I know you're a busy man. You've got a, a program to run. Keep doing what you're doing because whatever it is, it's working. You've got our support. Uh, thank you so much for giving us this time. We really appreciate it. Oh, thanks, Mike. I appreciate you having me on and uh, having me chat a little bit about our program. I appreciate you. Of course. Of course. Hey, anytime.